Hi, everybody. It's Stefan Molyneux from Free Domain Radio. Hope you're doing well. So we have a fellow on the line who we will call John. Now, John contacted us and said that he had expertise in security and classification systems and had some observations that he wished to make regarding Hillary Clinton's use of her private email server, relatively unsecured, open to the web, no security patches installed at times, and so on. And um, I think, you know, I always like deferring to experts or people who know what they're talking about. So very happy to have you on the show, John. Uh, thanks a lot, Steph. So for a lot of people, you, know, you send and receive email, maybe it's Gmail or Hotmail or something like that, and they don't really think about the mechanics, the exposure, the the security that goes on, because, you know, we're not really handling very sensitive stuff. Um, what is so different in the security world and why? Well, in uh, everything I'm about to say, uh, anybody can Google it on their own. Uh, there's a mountain of documentation, rules, regulations that uh, not just the Department of Defense, but the entire federal government put out on just how you have to handle classified information and in the method in which you transmit that. Um, and if anything, it is not more convenient to transmit classified information than it is something through your Gmail. Um, the security requirements of simply storing a physical document is one thing, and then when you're talking about transmitting that information electronically, that takes it to a whole nother level. You have entire teams of people, this is all they do in their career, day in, day out, is they specialize in this type of specific transmission. Um, and, uh, and just to be real clear on it, this is completely apolitical. I have probably like everybody mm. on their Facebook feed, I've got people on the lunatic right and people on the lunatic <laughs> left, family and friends. And uh, everything that you hear in the media is usually very specialized or people who are talking. It doesn't make sense to the average person. So I wanted to give everybody a chance to really understand what it is like on a day-to-day -day basis. Right, because the moment, I mean, if you have something physically locked in a drawer, right, that as far as I understand it was uh, the problem that General Petraeus showed some sensitive information to a woman, that sensitive inf information was in his locked study drawer uh, in a house that's guarded by uh, Secret Service 24-7, and he got into a huge amount of trouble for that, where of course there was no chance of foreign governments snooping in on it, uh, and so on. And so with uh, Clinton, with Hillary Clinton, the fact that she had uh, was sending and receiving information in relatively unsecure ways and that her server was exposed to potential outside uh, intrusion. It, it goes against everything that basic security stands for. And I don't think people understand the degree of, of risk and money that is involved in the generation of these secrets. I mean, there are Marines around the world who are sworn to defend these kinds of state secrets with their lives. And some have died in the defense of those secrets. So it is a huge deal. People's lives hang in the balance, uh, negotiations hang in the balance, relationships with um, friends and foes hang in the balance. It is incredibly um, dangerous and toxic uh, information and um, powerful information probably is a better way of putting it. And the degree to which it needs to be fenced off and held secure uh, almost can't be overstated. Is that a fair way of putting it? Uh, absolutely. And if you look at the uh, the report and the uh, testimony that the FBI director gave, um, and you've mentioned on your show, and everybody I think's heard on the media, right? You've got the confidential, you have the secret, and then you have the top secret information. 
the other caveats that they were talking about, the uh, SCI, which is Sensitive Compartmented Information, and the SAP, which is the Special Access Program Information, um, that is a, an entirely separate batter on top that compounds everything else. Those are the programs where you have to jump through a whole number of hoops just before you have access to it to even know that a program is in existence. Um, those requirements are far and above anything else that you do for regular classified information, which is usually it's classified at that level because it's a source or a method where somebody could possibly get killed if that source or method got out, or it would invalidate some very, very expensive government investment in either a collection capability or uh, something in industry. Well, the, the, this is the great challenge of this information, as far as I understand it, is that uh, if you have somebody, say, out there working in the field, and there's even a possibility that that person has been named or exposed, don't you basically have to pull the entire situation? Because if somebody gets that person's name, they then could blackmail, could threaten, could do any number of things, and you wouldn't necessarily know. Like, they might just go kill that person, in which case you'd kind of know, but they also might try and turn them through a variety of methodologies uh, and uh, threats or bribes or whatever. So once that person is known, doesn't the entire apparatus uh, then become open to to doubt or, or, or question? Well, absolutely. And uh, one thing that hasn't really have been touched on too much in the media, but if it's black and white uh, in the government regulations, anytime you have something, a leak or something like this happens, the agency that owns the information, that the information that was compromised has to go about and do a damage assessment. Um, and in this case, with everything being deleted by the lawyers, with unsure exactly what was sent, who was sent to, the the judgment you have to make is that all of your information that you had or that had sent at one point has been compromised. That all has to be changed now, you know, depending on what the nature of the information was. Um, and that gets, uh, obviously, in the human capital, people have to do this. It takes a lot of man hours and resources to do it. It's very, very expensive. And then, obviously, you also have the information that could be out there now where you have somebody's life that's in jeopardy. Right, because of course uh, the, these relationships, they take years to develop, uh, infiltrations take years to achieve, billions and billions of dollars are spent, and then, you know, according to some of the um, information that I've read with regards to the intelligence community's view of this, because emails were deleted, and uh, it does, as, as Comey said, uh, Clinton was supposed to turn over all of her work-related emails, and they did find emails that were work-related that uh, she hadn't turned over. And so the really frustrating thing for a lot of people in the intelligence community is that foreign governments may be in possession of emails that the U.S. intelligence community will never have access to because they, they're stored on some foreign server that may have hacked Clinton if they intercepted, but there's no record of it uh, in, in on American servers, so they don't even know. They're actually in a state of having less information potentially than foreign governments. Right. Um, and uh, I, you know, I think you brought the point up, too, that the one's doing this assessment now, they have to assume that it's all been compromised. Um, you know, the Secretary of State um, would be probably read into just about everything at the executive leadership level in the United States government, and whatever she would have been read into for these special programs, uh, they would have to make the assumption, since they don't know what was destroyed, they don't have a record of it, and they know some of it's been compromised, they would have to go off the assumption that most or all of it's been compromised. <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about what 
that means uh, if if the agency is going to assume that all information that may have been shared with the Secretary of State during her tenure has been compromised, what what does that set into motion? What what happens from there? So, um, but, but right before we get into that, though, um, there was one point that was made up um, was made a lot in the media of that this was a case of an agency dispute between the State Department or the CIA or the State Department and the Defense Intelligence Agency or that things were over-classified, they weren't really as classified um, as they were made out to be, or they were incorrectly classified, um, that there is no chance that happens on any way, shape, or form. There's never a department dispute about classified information. A single agency may dispute that something is classified appropriately, and they can attempt to remedy it with that agency, whatever agency produces the information, that's the way you have to treat it. It doesn't matter if you disagree with it or not. So if the State Department, for instance, produced a very highly classified document and the CIA used it, the CIA could not turn around and treat it however they felt it should be treated. They would have to go by what the State Department said it needed to be treated as. So um, all those thousands of emails that have been deleted and they're not they're, they're probably never going to be able to recover uh, regardless of what... Um, the former secretary says, oh, well, it was overclassified, or uh, it's not really, uh, there's a dispute about which classification to be. Completely irrelevant. The agency that owned the information makes that determination, not the agency receiving or using it. So for the information that the uh, FBI director, um, and obviously it's this is all compartmented, so unless you were actually on the investigative team, you wouldn't actually be able to dig into it to see which program specifically. But um, anything that got mentioned, they have to assume that that program, all the uh, the, the words, or the identifiers, all the, the funding methods, um, all those things that they use to get those uh, special programs compartmented and just to the right people and limited and, you know, off the Internet, <laughs> all that would have to be uh, considered to be compromised and you'd have to start from scratch. Now, whether that means that they ignore it to make sure that there's not an indication that they think something's been compromised or they completely take apart a program and start it up, on, you know, taking time, effort, and resources, that would have to be up at the agency that owns the information. But either way, it's manpower and resource uh, intensive. Well, and you can never put that house of cards back together again. Correct. If, if you have someone embedded somewhere and then that person gets pulled out, that's as much as signaling that that person was, was uh, an agent. Uh, and then trying to get someone else back in there after you've basically alerted people that there was an agent in there, uh, doesn't that, I mean, you, you can't go back to where you were. There's no way to put this house of cards back together again, as far as I can see it from the outside. Right. Um, once the genie's out of the bag, the genie's out of the bag. Um, but, and, and to be completely fair, um, you know, you can look up the numbers of personnel in the United States government that have security clearances. 95% of all the people with security clearances in the government probably don't ever see classified information. Maybe once or twice a year in a brief or in a presentation that they have to give. Um, that, however, that is not true for the people making decisions at the top of executive agencies. They're exposed to classified material every single day. Um, the former secretary, she had original classification authority, which meant she could make a decision to classify information that the State Department uh, produced as long as it fell within certain guidelines. So, the and not to mention every single person around her would have known what she was doing uh 
was a violation of every rule and regulation, not to mention presidential executive orders. <laughs> um, and I, I haven't heard anything talk about what's going to happen to them as well. That's, that's probably, you know, next month. But, um, well, but because those are the rules, right? As far as I understand it, the rules are that if you are aware of any compromise to security information, you must report it to the appropriate uh, security officer. That that is a a not just a nice to have, but a have to have, as far as protecting this information goes. Uh, correct. And uh, I can speak from personal experience. Uh, I'll give you a couple of examples of things I've seen over the years. Um, people making honest-to-goodness mistakes, uh, sending something in an email that they should not have sent um, on a unclassified uh, side. It should have been on a classified system. You know, you have eight different systems on your desk. People make mistakes. They're human beings. That happens. Um, the people dealing who are responsible for the security organization are immediately notified, and so is the uh, local criminal investigative service, regardless of whether or not you think the person did it on accident or it was an honest good mistake or you think anything nefarious, that is a requirement. They have to be immediately notified because they have their certain steps that they have to go through for their investigation. And with the number of people that were sending her information, it is beyond belief that that wasn't immediately reported at some point when somebody realized what was going on. Well, and of course, it may have been reported, and we don't know what happened to those reports. True, true. Right. So, and, and this to me is why thinking this is about Hillary Clinton uh, as a solo actor is uh, a red herring because she would be the epicenter if charges were laid. She would be, at, she would be ground zero, but the sort of, uh, the legal blast would go out uh, many, many layers uh, for uh, whoever was in contact with her. Is that, is that a fair point? Uh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I've, um, I've seen people reprimanded for, not reporting, uh, you know, uh, fellow fellow government employees when they were just in a position of trust and confidence didn't even have anything to do with classified information, um, just for not following directives. So the the when you get into the classified information, that's another step that's supposed to be taken more serious. But ever since this whole thing came out, there is not a day that goes by in our community that people are not making a joke about this. You know, a, a dark humor. Not that it's funny, yeah, yeah. but you know. Somebody will tell somebody, "Hey, make sure you you know you, know, you pr- protect this appropriately. We need to transport this from A to B." And the joke will be, "Oh, you mean I can't just email this to you?" I mean, <laughs> that is on a daily basis. Every single training event I've been to, um, any type of serious interaction, I mean, it, it has become the laughing stock of the intel and security community. And some of this, because, you know, to some degree, Clinton, uh, she's saying, well, you know, I'm not computer literate. I don't know what I'm doing. And I, you know, to me, that is such a ridiculous non-excuse. But some of these, these special access program, uh, apparently she received at least one special access program email. And to get that information again, I don't know how it works on a private server, but as far as I understand it, to get into that information, you have to input certain codes that change randomly. You've got to ask for the code before opening uh, the document. So the idea that she, uh, if she had to go through those steps, then to say she didn't send or receive any classified information when she has to input, get an input, a special code just to read the email, uh, it seems, I mean, ridiculous beyond words to, to make that claim. Right. Well, uh, a, a good, uh, friend once told me that uh, security is not easy. Whenever somebody would uh, complain about how difficult it was just to get information of a classified nature to somebody who needed to get it, if anything, it is inconvenient to do your job on classified systems because there's so many other requirements. And 
people probably aren't aware, but um, it's it's not as simple as just having a laptop that you can send information to because it's a secure laptop. There's entire buildings that have to be built to contain these systems, and only a certain number of people can go into them. The buildings have to be built to these amazing specifications just so you can have that classified information processed on the inside of that building. Uh, it has to you know, meet all sorts of alarm requirements. Uh, people with guns have to be within a certain, <laughs> certain uh, time response to protect those systems, uh, the idea of having it simply sitting uh, in a homebrew server somewhere is that, that completely breaks every single rule there is on controlling that information. I mean, it's as simple to me and, and as, as powerful as the idea that um, with a secure system, either there are no USB ports or, you know, there's a log of every single uh, attachment that's ever made to those computers and uh, you know there there may be searches of people going in and out I mean given how portable electronic information is um, things like just not having any USB ports I assume that our home server had USB ports and would not have any particular log of what may have been uh, transferred here or there and um, it just it makes the whole rest of the entire setup look ridiculous if uh, this is not uh, a, a punishable offense Right, and, and um, they, you know, we're always taught that the insider threat, whatever that takes, you know, you, um, the insider threat's the one that you can't defeat, right? You could spend millions and millions of dollars on walls and doors and guards with guns and dogs and uh, electronic systems, but all it takes is the person on the inside not to pay attention to what they're doing or to however we want to look at this specific situation, it defeats all that, defeats all the effort, time, and energy and resources that went into all that. Right. So let's talk about some of the, um, we, we sort of touched on it briefly with the um, the architecture and the design of these secure facilities. What are some of the steps, you know, I guess, do people just think it's encrypted and you send it, that uh, there's some sort of cryptolope around the data? Um, what, what kind of steps are taken to ensure uh, as best as possible that this information uh, never gets intercepted? Uh, so basically, um, the, depending on the classification level of the information, there'll be a separate dedicated system that in theory or for most intense purposes doesn't talk to a lower uh, classification system. Their own networks, uh, their own method of transmission separately depending on the type of information it is. So for instance, if you were the Secretary of State or the Director of the Defense Intelligence Agency or something like that. Uh, depending on what you wanted to send, you would have to go to a completely separate system to send it, depending on what program or what uh, what classification level that you were uh, needing to send information to. And that would be separate computer, separate Ethernet. Like, I assume this would not be wireless in any way. And so it's not just, you know, switch your, your network. Like, you probably would have to go to a different area, maybe a different set of computers. Uh, and, of course, transferring that information, again, thumb drives. or So I assume that there's just n a huge number of dominoes that have to go down before you can get information from one system to another. That's correct. And well, it looks like uh, with what they've released so far uh, with the FBI and the State Department, what more than likely what happened is somebody took the information and inputted themselves on a non-secure, right? They, they had the information, either they remembered the information or they had a hard document of some type, then they could have easily put that on an unsecured line, right? Because at that point, it's actually not crossing domains anymore. It's actually somebody just 
writing something or it's a wetware transfer right <laughs> some brain <laughs> is moving it from one place to the next right okay like how you can ship currency by remembering your key uh, if it's cryptocurrency okay so that's somebody who would and there are there are indications when they were having trouble uh, sending or receiving us uh, on a secure fax line oh just strip off the classified headers and send it non-secure i think was something similar to yeah, what she said so i'm surprised that didn't come up more during the uh, congressional testimony that was i thought uh, a pretty open and shut case <laughs> well that that's intent Correct, correct. Right. I mean, uh, intent apparently is not that relevant. But even if we say it is that relevant, when you say to somebody, oh, you're having trouble sending it secure facts, strip the classified headers off and send it non-secure, that's intent right there. And that's recorded as far as I understand it. Right. And uh, uh, I'm not a legal investigator, so I don't want to get out of my <laughs> lane of expertise. But yeah, that makes complete sense to me. Oh, yeah, I'm no legal expert either. These are just my opinions <laughs> based upon the available information. But that at least should, if that's not, if that's not proof of intent, although it seems to be to me looking at it from an amateur outside view, if that's not intent, when somebody says strip the headers off and send it non-secure, I'd like to know why that's not intent and what the hell is intent if that's not it. At the very least, that, um, again, from a security perspective, that would have cost, I think, anybody their security clearance immediately. Um, I've seen cases where uh, personnel have been forced out of the government or out of the military because they couldn't pass uh, their investigative background checks anymore because they were being slightly evasive or slightly dishonest about something, whether that was uh, you know a marital infidelity or uh, they took back souvenirs that they shouldn't have uh, from you know Iraq or Afghanistan, something like that. Um, and because that weighed on them, they couldn't pass the background screening anymore, and they were no longer eligible for a security clearance. And that was, you know, that's pretty minor stuff in the grand scheme of things. This is not what we're talking about deliberately taking markings off a classified document and then sending it in the clear. Yeah, I mean, that's stuff where you'd want to screen people for susceptibility to blackmail or other forms of manipulation. Um, so... Because some of the other stuff that I've sort of talked about, General Petraeus uh, and so on, a sailor took a selfie in a sub, uh, was at least at some point in the past facing 20 years in prison, didn't realize there was a sonar screen right over, uh, right behind him. Uh, there was a Marine who informed his superiors about a guy who was pretending to be an Afghan policeman who was in fact Al-Qaeda, and he informed them using a Gmail account he's facing, or was facing, uh, I don't know whether the process is there, 20 years in jail as well. And um, these, of course, seem like don't even show up like like sunspots on the sun uh, relative to this sort of multi-year intentional homebrewed server um unsecure passage of information not to mention of course the fact that under uh, perjury uh, under threat of perjury she said she turned over all her work-related emails it turns out that uh, she didn't let alone the fact that her lawyers and other people who had access to the server didn't have security clearance it just seems uh i mean i, I kind of knew she wasn't there was not going to be a recommendation for prosecution, but uh, I thought that the story as to why she wasn't going to be prosecuted would be a little bit more believable. Oh, I agree. I mean, if you're if you're going to do a cover up, could you please try to cover it up? And the other thing that has struck me with regards to all of this is morale in any institution is very key as to its efficacy and capacity for success and follow through and driving all this stuff along. And I do have to wonder, if I was in the intelligence community, with the, with the fact that all of this happened and there's no recommendation 
for the pursue, uh, pursuing of criminal charges. And it looks like, I mean, the State Department's reopened its investigation into this handling and so on, but it, it looks like there's some decent possibilities you might just, they all might get away scot-free. What's my motivation going to be like for embarking on big, new, world-changing security operations, thinking that this woman might just become president again, and who knows what's going to happen to uh, the secret information that she might get a hold of? Yeah, um, well, I don't deal with that type of operation, but I will say that generally... I mean, it was pretty much a gut punch when uh, the people in the security intelligence community were watching that testimony, and then at the end of it, nothing, nothing came of it because, I mean, every year if you have a security clearance, you have to go through training, you have to sign documentation, and, you know, depending on what you're involved with, there's all sorts of hoops you have to jump through uh, just to maintain your clearance eligibility. Um, someone uh, with a you know top secret SCI clearance like. Uh, the former secretary had, they're supposed to report on any foreign contacts that they have. I mean, uh, any type of close continuing contact with a foreigner. I mean, did, did that happen like it's supposed to happen in her case? I've seen people, you know, lose their clearance because they didn't do that. Because they didn't report all their foreign contacts. Um, was she doing that? I probably don't think so. Right. And what else is being said uh, that you've heard within the community uh, about this? Is there any other fallout that we haven't mentioned yet? Well, uh, this uh, investigations by their nature are pretty uh, um, pretty tight. Um, some of the investigations in, uh, in the past that I think uh, due to leaks or FBI investigations due to mishandling classified information, eventually they become pretty available if you go to the right place to talk to the right people. I don't think the community at large is going to see the entire investigation on this one. Um, mm. Just by the information that was coming out about the extra steps that they made the FBI agents go through. And, you know, I understand this is a public figure that they were investigating, but the likelihood of anybody getting their hands on <laughs> the whole story on that's probably not very likely. Are you referring to the fact that some of the investigative agents uh, had to sign additional non-disclosure agreements, uh, documents with regards to this investigation in particular? Right. Uh, usually when, uh, there's usually, uh, when people do counterintelligence investigations, I'd imagine that there's lessons to be learned from that that they make available to the community at large so to prevent things in the future happening. Um, I'd, I wouldn't expect to see that in this situation, though. Right. And um, with regards to um, the number of violations that occur, because, you know, he says, well, she says, well, other people... Uh, used uh, uh, personal emails as well, but yes, but not on their own homebrewed server uh, and and so on. So um, can you just sort of run through a, a sort of number of the layers of, of um, I guess, nonconformity with best practices that she pursued, not just, of course, with her home server, but with unsecured and unapproved Blackberries, which now apparently have been destroyed and so on. I mean, how many icebergs did she crash through on her way to the avoidance of Freedom of Information Act's promised land? Um, any single one of the things that she did would have gotten me fired. Um, mm -hmm. Any single one of the things that she did would have gotten anybody in the military or the federal government that I know fired, if not charged. And not, and not not even saying the amount of what she did. Uh, at the very least, um, 
for s some of the special programs uh, that have such very strict access requirements, if somebody became aware that you had set up your own server at your house and that there was even even the remotest possibility that you had sent classified information to it, it would have gone something like this. You would have been sat down in question. You would have been immediately informed that your security clearance had been suspended, not revoked, but suspended immediately. You would no longer have access to classified information. You would have been directed to turn over everything that was government property to the government. The local criminal investigators would have gotten a warrant and seized everything electronic at your place of residence. And that probably would have happened all within 24 hours immediately. Um, not, not, not a question about it. Um, in the end, would you have lost your clearance, not lost your clearance? That would have been, you know, up to a, an adjudicating authority. But that's what would have happened to anybody that I know, um, including up to generals. Um, it, there would not have been even a question about it. And no one would have made it seem like it was political. This is, these are the requirements that you have to go through if you had done something that reckless. Right. And, uh, are there any theories that you've, I mean, I have my own pet theories, which I talked about recently with Bill Whittle, but uh, do you or do the people who you've heard from, do they have any explanations for what Bill referred to as the Comey paradox? Like, here's all the things she did wrong, but yeah, it's fine. I mean, does anyone know or have, I shouldn't say no, because it's a big statement, but does anyone have any theories or, or have you heard theories as to why this went down the way it did? I honestly uh, don't know, Steph. Um mm. I think like everybody else, you know, I, I watched the first five minutes. I was like, oh, I can't believe she's going to be indicted for this or, or at least something's going to come out of it. And then when nothing did, I was I was shocked. Um, but it may be just a point to where we're at that political appointees and executive agencies, they have their, all their own staff. They live in their own world. This just doesn't matter to them anymore. Hmm. Rules are for the little people, right? Um. I mean, that's what it, that's what it looks like. I mean, they made a lot of good points that, you know, regardless of what the reasoning is behind closed doors, that is the perception that's being played out, which is very unfortunate. Um, yeah. Well, listen, I really, really appreciate your time. It's uh, good to get a view from people who are more knowledgeable uh, about security. Uh, and um, it is one of these things that I think is a pivotal turning point in the history of the Republic, uh, because it's very rare, to me at least, that it looks like um, somebody who has enough power, enough political juice, uh, to be able to get away with, uh, stuff that, uh, would have resulted in severe negative consequences for anybody else. Uh, the, the question around the rule of law, the question about universality of law, the question of, uh, equality before the law, uh, has, I think, been significantly, uh, punctured. And for everyone in law enforcement, uh, I think that creates a different relationship to political power. And for those of us outside of law enforcement, uh, there are a lot of people, I imagine, who are just saying, oh, okay, well, if rules don't apply really, then I'll just do what I can get away with rather than obey the law because it's virtuous. And uh, that is a, a very dangerous precedent to set socially. Yeah. It, the the irony of one of the things that uh, the State Department mentioned was this, you know, oh, it's this is a case of overclassification, which is – there's actually a small bit of truth to that. There is rampant overclassification in the intelligence community. But the reason things get overclassified is because people are so afraid of misclassifying something, not protecting, protecting it appropriately. That's why everything gets overclassified, because people are so worried about the consequences if they mess up. I don't know if that's going to be true in the case in the future. Hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, you you throw the net where the fish aren't, just so you get where the fish are. Uh, so I can certainly see why, when in doubt, you know, uh, classify uh, and uh, classify as high as you can possibly get away with. Uh, that would make sense to me from a cover your ass standpoint. And um, so I can see that. But you know, the reality is, as you point out, you can't just retroactively unclassify things in your own mind. There is a whole process and procedure uh, that that goes on, and you have to accept the way that it is. And if you want to work to change something, you can't act as if it's already changed. You know, you can work to repeal a law. You just can't act as if the law isn't the law at the time that you you act. So um, I appreciate your time. Thanks so much for for giving us the lowdown from um, a, a more sophisticated uh, viewpoint. Uh, it is important. I you know that this process is going to continue. Uh, if Trump gets in, I think there's some possibility it may be reopened uh, under Trump, and maybe that has something to do with what happened. We'll find out over time. But, John, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks, Steph.